What's up, everybody? Welcome to A Bit Unraveled Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hansinger. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Bit Unraveled. Happy to have you back for another week. Super excited for this guest this week. Good friend of mine. Uh, he is an on-stage and on-screen actor. Uh, he is a content creator, voice actor, uh, podcaster as well. Uh, very talented dude. Happy to have him on. Please welcome to the podcast, Bert Rotundo. Hello, what's how are you doing? Buddy. Hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you too, brother. Man, I love I love the stash, the goatee combo. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I'm yes. working towards that, but man, the thickness on that, that's, that's strong. This is a year's worth. I started growing this at the beginning of uh, 2020 as a joke. And uh, and then all of a sudden I was like, well, pilot season's not going to happen. So I might as well grow a mustache. And I grew a mustache, I grew this. And then all of a sudden I started getting cast with it. And, yeah. and I was like, Whoa. and then I'm doing a movie and the director was like, one day I saw him, he's looking at me and I'm like, what are you looking at? What's, what's this? What's going on? And he goes, this, this works. And I'm like, what? this and he goes yeah the mustache and then i get the new version of the script and he's like balbo mustache that's what this is the balbo i didn't know that okay okay so, <laughs> it's a balbo it's a yeah. type of like a, a goatee that does not connect okay all right we're learning things i like See, that. that's what this the, is all about right there's like there's a huge facial hair movement happening and it's it's really interesting i'm watching more and more people get like a mustache or you know unique facial hair and they're starting to book more with it it's really interesting you're telling me unbeknownst to me that i am on the cutting edge of what's trending right now that's amazing yes finally right total dumb luck on my part that's awesome Um, though yeah it's fun what a fun thing to stumble into Right. Although it does suck wearing a mask with a mustache. I will say that it's definitely this has been the long time to have grown a mustache and goatee because it just loves to go right up your nose. Right up your nose. Yeah. Do you uh, do you find that like you shock people when you wear a mask for somebody you haven't seen in a while and then you take it off and they're like, whoa, I got a a mustache. Hello. How are you doing? And you're Uh, like, no, it's actually called a uh, the Balbo, the Balbo, the Balbo mustache. Uh, Yeah, Um, man. Um, How are you guys? How are you? uh, How are you guys holding up? We're good, man. We're good. Just trying to stay busy, you know, as as busy as you can be in in all this. So, yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's definitely been interesting. It comes in you know highs and lows, but I I think overall, I mean, despite you know. all the, the, the things that have been really awful about this pandemic, I think for the overall, for me personally, it's been a really interesting growing period. Um, and uh, I've definitely learned a lot about myself and, um, and uh, more about what I want to be doing with myself. You know, I think that the, having the ability to slow down and, and not have to be, not having to be somewhere every day, uh, and running around definitely allows allows some time for personal reflection. And um, I've had, I mean, we all have had a lot of time. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I completely agree. Um, you've done I mean, you've done a ton of stuff uh, throughout the pandemic. Was there was there anything that you thought you were going to do? And then you're like, turns out I'm never going to do this. Um, actually, I think more more so. um 
Well, I got all like the, the like the, the to do things that I would never do, like things that I've always wanted to do, but like never would give myself the, you know, the never give myself the time to do it. Like I, I, I had watched all the Star Wars movies in chronological order, you know, with, you know, yeah. with, um, you know, Phantom Menace all the way through to the last one. And I threw Rogue One in there just for, you know, S and G's uh, and, and it was great. And then I, I watched all the Marvel movies in chronological order, you know, yeah. uh, which was super cool uh, and really interesting to watch those movies and watch them over like, you know, a month and be able to really watch character arcs develop opposed yeah. to like, you, could, you know, when was the last time you watched Iron Man? And then, you know, and now you're seeing all like the Avengers movies. His arc has really changed. His character's really grown up a lot. And, you know, it's sort of you forget and then you go back and you're like, that's wow, Tony Stark was a real jerk, you know? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Like a dad, you know, it, it, so it was cool. Yeah, and then he's in the new Spider-Man, like a dad to, you know, yeah. new Spider-Man. Exactly. He's like uh, full circle. He's come so far. Um, interesting. Yeah. What's the lighting? How's my light? Do I look good? You're good, you're good, I, I didn't have a DP. I got a lot of natural light coming on in here. That's nice, ah, man. There we are. Nice. You got all the plants in the back. Are you like that? Yeah. You're a plant dude, huh? I am. I uh, they've kept me company through the pandemic. I don't have any yeah. pets, so um, it's cool. you know, like, quiet down over there. Hey, keep it down. Keep it down, you guys. I water you after. <laughs> I always admire plant people. I just I, I always want to do it, and I just haven't done it. So really, I, I mean, that. I mean, there are some there are some starter, you know, some friendly starter plants that you can get that are pretty. If you kill them, then you should never ever ever have plants ever that's like a okay. sure sign that you are you have a brown thumb yeah um, but, um, but yeah man I, I you know these plants a lot of these plants started out as one plant and, and then ended up over the years becoming multiple plants so this is like a this is like an extended family of plants going on here yeah that's yeah. cool yeah man cool. it's it's like very that. cool thanks like um yeah man you know like you when you have a lot of time and you're spending a lot of time in your own place it's uh Gotta, you gotta you gotta like where you live so. yeah i hear you man well i, I want to talk a little bit about where you we'll, we'll talk about what you've been up to because you've been up to a lot but i, I want to jump back a little bit and let's talk about where you started uh because i know you're you're a new york guy mm -hmm. right I grew uh, up. Okay. oh no good good oh I, I uh, you know your story better than i know your story i don't know i don't know i don't know how much you know that's what i'm i'm vetting to see how much you know what i can say and what i can't say um yeah I, uh, yeah, I grew up on Long Island, about 45 miles outside of New York City, um, you know, in the sort of in the shadow of New York City. Yeah. And uh, it was very early on, really interested in doing theater. My dad wanted to be an actor oh, okay. uh, and didn't didn't really pursue it. Um, and then I found out on my my high school graduation, my grandfather, my father's father, uh, went out to go see him out a little bit further east on Long Island. And um, he's like, come here, I want to show you something. And he takes me into this other room and he pulls out. I don't know if they still do these things, but they had autograph books. When like you graduated elementary school, you'd get like this weird little like autograph book and you could have your classmates. Like it's sort of like signing a yearbook, but it was like they didn't have yearbooks at that early. So they had these autograph books okay. and at the okay. front of these autograph books. And I had one growing up, too. I remember it vaguely um, sort of random, weird sort of thing. But um we had, uh, my grandfather shows me his from when he was in elementary school and he opens it up and he's like, I want you to see something. I'm like, 
open it up and he he's like he's his name and his favorite teacher and his favorite book and his favorite subject and then it was chosen profession and he says he points to it and he goes what does that say and i you know actor and i had no idea that my grandfather wanted to be an actor yeah. and uh and it's funny because growing up, he would always talk to me about like, oh, you got to listen to books on tape. There's this guy, Brett Muller. He does a, he does all the voices. He's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, now I do voiceovers, so it's sort of, he'd be really proud of Um That's cool. But So, you know, let, let me Let me ask this before before we move on from that, because I think that's interesting. Do you, do you think that was like a big motivating, like, factor for you jumping into that, knowing that not only your grandfather, but your your dad wanted to do it and like couldn't do it was that like or not like never i don't think, it was, I don't think it was something that was conscious at that point i you know yeah. i didn't i it was just something that i really really enjoyed i liked um i really liked the spotlight as a kid you know i liked um i loved doing plays i just liked being around other people and creating things and i, yeah. I as i've gotten older i realized it's all about that sort of teamwork and that creating coming together as a group to really kind of pull something out of the ether and make it, make it solid. You know, I think there's something really exciting about that. Um, and so theater, little did I know was really sort of the first sort of foray into that creative process. Uh, and I did, you know, local theater, I did all the school plays. Um, and then, uh, I really knew early on that I wanted to be an actor, much to my mom's chagrin. She was like, yes. lawyer, lawyer, right, 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 right. you know, I was like actor. And she's like, no, no, lawyer. Um, That's why I don't but, know if my parents had anything else. Like I, I knew from a long time, I wanted to be in entertainment. I wanted to do, I, I think I always tended to lean a little more towards comedy. And like, I had a similar thing where I was wow. like a similar motivation where uh, a lot of my family members had stuff that they wanted to do. I was like, man, I wish I had been like a photographer and never became a photographer. And I was like, yeah, I want to do the thing that I said I want to do, you know, and, and like because I hear so many people fall short and don't do it. So I was like, I'm going to do it. But I don't know if my parents were ever were like, go be anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah. they even had a better option for me. They were just like anything. Um, just 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 a paying job. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go work in the bank or something i don't know yeah go work in a bank and, and go be rich um right. my mom honestly i i'm really lucky because both of my parents were super supportive and are still to this day very very supportive because let's face it this is a very up and down kind of industry um yeah. and there are no you know i have friends who are doctors one of my one of my oldest boyhood friends is the head of radiology at bronx hospital and another guy's a dentist and you know and all of them are working these regular jobs these real real people grown-up jobs and i'm still out here in la trying to live my my dream um right right um but uh so super supportive and did a lot of plays and knew early on that i wanted to be an actor and was supposed to actually come to la after high school i was going to go to ucla kind of my cousin uh, who was about 20 years older than me was out here working in film and television and sort of he was sort of like my my guru, you know, I'd always look to him yeah, and, nice. on Roseanne and all these great shows. And in fact, he was the one who got me my SAG card, uh, helped me get my SAG card, which was great, which is super, you know, nepotism. Woo. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I went to theater school. I was supposed to move out here and it fell through financially and there was a girl and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sure, um, yeah. But I ended up going to the American Musical Dramatic Academy in New York City, uh, AMDA back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and was just really exposed to 
that sort of theater life, you know, it was the first time I was really exposed to Shakespeare, which um, really scared me at the time. Um, And uh, I had a reading disability growing up. So anything with complicated language was really, really, um, you know, reading out loud was, you know, like I remember in elementary school, we'd be sitting in class and the teacher would be like, all right, um, Ryan, why don't you take the first paragraph? And I'd be like four seats back and I'd be like, Oh, I, I hated reading, man. I hated reading out loud. That was awful, which so, is funny, like, because now I don't mind doing it, but reading in class, oh, that was the worst. I hated oh, that one. Worst. It was, I was so, so scared. Yeah. And uh, and so now it's kind of funny. I look back on it, you know, and I, I look at a piece of copy and I'm like, yeah, I got this. All right, let's go, you know. Yeah. And it's so interesting to see that where I, where I was and where I came from. But I, when I got I was college, so bad at reading, but like my parents tried to put me into like a speed reading class that I had to go to like outside of school. And they were like, you're going to learn to read and read better than you are. And, which, and it's funny because now, yeah, it's like now it seems like no big deal. I can burn through a script or whatever, but. Man, I, I think a lot of it for me was like, I didn't, I had a hard time finding the right books. If you put a script yeah. in front of me, boom, I'll burn through it. But I, absolutely, man. you have to want to read something. Now it's interesting, like, um, especially in the pandemic, I've been reading a lot and listening to a lot of books on tape. My grandfather would be proud. And uh, I actually, my TV broke midway through the pandemic. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go buy a new television? And I was sort of like, this is an adventure. Let's make this an adventure. And so we're going to rough it. And so every night I would listen to a book on tape. I'd make tea and I'd light candles and turn off all the lights and sort of sit there in the darkness and listen to books. And I did that for like four or five months. Yeah, uh, wow, that's cool. TV for four or five months, which was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Um, and uh, but. Anyway, uh, did so the, did the TV was, die on its own accord or was it your frustration with the coronavirus? No, it, it was literally <laughs> it was like, no, yeah. I, it, <laughs> You're like, funny. no more bad news. Shit, this is awful. <laughs> Screw that guy, you know. No. Shoot through the TV. Um, I could see no, you getting to that literally, point. The funny story is a buddy of mine was moving to New York in the middle of the pandemic and I helped him move. And he's like, hey, do you want this television? And it was this yeah. big TV, much bigger than the one I had. And I was like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to. I was like, sure. And then like two months later after having it, it, it died. Yeah. Um, so, um, but well, uh, cool, I do now books and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've, I've been catching up on television. I'm caught up on WandaVision. Hey, there you go. I think we're starting that tonight. That's Oh, we, good. We just you finished can... one show and we're like, all right, let's check out WandaVision. What show were you watching before? We were watching The Crown. Oh, very nice. Which was uh, you, have a, you have a lady, so that's sort of like a like the perfect like I have a lady, and it's it's time to sit down and watch a show that we both can really kind of dig our teeth yeah, into. Yeah, her and I like a lot of the same TV. Like we watch a little bit of everything. You know, she's an actress too, and so like we, yeah. we watch anything and everything. But it was a good show, and it was like a lot of history in it too. Where you're like, oh wow, England was pretty messed up too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank like, God, I thought it was just us. They got their own problems. Oh yeah. man uh so yeah it was interesting but yeah we'll probably move on to some wandavision um pretty, pretty quick you can definitely buy i i basically i was i'm working on a script with somebody right now and, and he, he started to bring it up and i was like ah time out i haven't seen it yet and he's like yeah, oh yeah. This i want to talk to you about and i literally sat down that night and barreled through five episodes because they're short they're like 30 30 something minutes oh okay um, nice and so now I, I i texted him yesterday i'm like we have so much to talk about yeah um, so it's it's exciting it's they're really marvel cinematic universe is really they're doing a great job um and uh they really you know to take such a big universe like that and really kind of 
really be able to kind of know where you're going with it. You know, I, I can't say the same for DC, unfortunately. I'm a huge yeah. fan of DC comics and Marvel comics growing up. And so I'd, I'd love to see DC sort of um, take a figure take it a out step back and oh, take a note from the Marvel cinematic universe. They seem like they're so close sometimes and it just doesn't always translate. And uh, I mean, like the quality of it is always great, but Marvel's just doing something right now that I, I don't know they, they just figured something out um, they, you know they, they stay true to fans which is important you know mm -hmm. you can't take something that is so big like that you know you see it a lot of times where Hollywood will take something that has such a huge fan base for so long 20-30 years a comic book and they make into a movie and they cut corners mm -hmm. and the fans are not going to let you get away with that you know we're expecting you to stay true to what made us fans to begin with and when you sort of you know, when you veer off the path on that, we're right there going, nope, nope, ooh, ooh, ooh. unless you're going to yeah. do it better. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Right. right. So, um, and Marvel, you know, they've taken some license with it, but I think for the most part, they've done a really good job. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll get some heat for saying that, but um, I think- but for also, the most don't, don't you have to say that? You've worked in the Marvel universe now. I have actually, I have. You worked on Agent Carter. On, I did, uh, I did. Which was, which was a fun show. Um, it was a great show and it was the first Marvel TV show, you know, and so to be part of that was kind of cool um, and really interesting. It was the first real big thing that I that I booked that was like, wow, this is huge. It yeah. was a big, big project um, and super cool to be part of it. I am the envy of all my comic book reading friends. Which is yeah, awesome. I bet. That was yeah. super cool. Yeah, we checked out your episode. and, and oh, yeah. Was, yeah, of course we did. Oh, uh, but it was fun to it was fun to watch, man. It was a cool, cool role because you got to do it was like a timepiece, and uh, yeah. you know, and and you got to shoot kind of like a location spot. What, did you guys just shoot here in in L.A. Or like out? Yeah, in we shot at somewhere. I forget the ranch. I think it was like Blue Sky Ranch out in Santa Clarita. There's a lot yeah. of them out there. It's you 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 drive like 20, 30 minutes, and you don't even like you feel like you're in a completely different state. It's yeah. that's what's beautiful about California. You know, yeah. drive ten minutes and you're like, where am I right now? you know yeah uh, totally so many locations yeah, yeah that was fun that was a really fun uh fun shoot and really kind of cool to be in the mcu um i hope yeah. they uh they don't they you know maybe they'll bring me back as something a little bit bigger <laughs> maybe yeah, they'll yeah. about agent carter and be like yeah let's bring him in for this right um, yeah i mean who what boy doesn't want to grow up and play a superhero in a movie you know i mean so. yeah seriously that's uh, that's yeah as i'm, I'm just trying to do a superman haircut movie. until i can Dude, until they call me up no you you keep it going bro yeah you keep it going as long as you can i was i was watching that uh agent carter then i was like oh man all these dudes look like me in this time period where you know <laughs> wherever we went back to i was like sans the beard man that's yeah sans the beard that was no beard time i got uh, it i got it. i didn't get in trouble but i actually i i i had had sideburns at the time and i had a little bit more hair on top and yeah. um and when I went in, they're like, well, well, no, we got to trim up those sideburns. It's not mm -hmm. the period. That's a little 1960s. And I was like, oh, you do what you got to do. do. what you got to do. You can, do you can always you take do. it off. You can't put it back. It's true. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, so so what, speaking of L.A., why, why L.A. over New York for you? Coming from um, Long Island, which would just be an easy transition to NYC. What, what was the, the draw? Well, I, obviously. No, I did. I kicked around NYC for, for a couple of years. After after AMDA, I stuck around. I did a bunch of theater in New York. Um, and But the plan was always to come out to L.A. You know, at that time, New York wasn't where it was with film and television. 
as it is now. I mean, now it's mm-hmm. booming, you know, um, well, maybe not right this second, but you know, right. the industry is much, is, it's, there's a lot more industry in uh, Atlanta. Wasn't even a thing at that point. Um, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, New York, and it was right after nine 11, nine 11 happened and there were auditions happening. You know, I was, I was getting out, I was doing a lot of theater auditions, but also some television commercial stuff. I did a couple indie films out there. I did some television. I worked on Oz and, and, um, and, and stuff like that. And, um, but there wasn't like the industry. And so I had a lot of friends from college who had graduated a couple of semesters, a couple of years before me who were in LA and they were doing quite well. They made it sound like, you know, you get off the plane and they hand you like, you know, a series reg job. Right. And yeah. so, uh, so <laughs> That's I, how it I, always felt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, Oh, cool. This will be great. And like, uh, yeah. so I made the move in the end of 2002. So I'm coming up on my 20 year mark in LA. Which nice. is, you know, that. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it went by really fast. Kind of scary. I had hair when I moved down here. Let's just it's, put it that way. I had a lot yeah, more hair. Yeah. Um, it's scary how fast it goes. It does. I think it's the lack of seasons that really kind of, especially coming from a place where there are four seasons and coming to a place where there's sort of a season and a half, you know? Yeah, I completely uh, agree. Changes yeah. Thank God for social media because I can literally go, when was that? And yeah. I'll be like, oh, let's check Instagram. And then I go and I'm like, holy crap, that was seven years ago. Wow, yeah. that felt like last year. I think that's such a com- contributor to like not having seasons. <laughs> you completely lose track. You, you it, it's amazing. You do. Um, it, really, it definitely denotes sort of the beginning and ending of certain things, you know, like, Oh, I, that was two snows ago, you know, Oh, that, right. was, you know, that was two summers ago. Now it's just perpetual spring and fall here in LA, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, that was one fire season ago. No. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. That was the that was the Burbank fire, not the Santa Clarita fire. Oh, <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. like that's yeah. how we're gonna start remembering things. Oh, oh LA. Oh, California. Oh, that's so weird. Um so uh so yeah, I made that move and yeah. that was a massive culture shock. Massive, massive. Just but, you know, coming from a city that's all vertical to a city that's all horizontal. I was like, where is the city? You know, where yeah. is it? Um, and, and then having to meet new people and, and the industry and, and the industry was in this process of really kind of going through changes. Things were starting to move on to online. When I first mm-hmm. got here, I was still, you know, I was going like old school, like backstage West, yeah. you know, submitting and, and, and booking jobs through that. And then I got an agent and, and, um, it's, it's been an interesting it's sort of like mountain climbing, you know, moving up through the industry, you know, you, you kind of sit at the bottom and staring up at this huge mountain and you're like, okay, cool. And you start climbing and you know, you climb for a while and then you kind of take a second, you turn around and you realize how far you've climbed. You're like, wow, wow, we're really high up here. And then all of a sudden you kind of look back to where you got to climb. You're like, Whoa, wow. It's still, that's a big mountain, you know? Yeah. Put your head down and you continue to climb. I remember trying to, trying to go to the top of the mountain right away uh my my grandmother had a connection to somebody who worked at caa and so she like got me a meeting with him and like i think he was more on the sports side of things uh at caa but he still she was like you know he was super nice to even like take me and and sit down with me and you know hear about my hopes and dreams (laughs) and then at the end is like i can't do anything for you (laughs) like yeah like you've been here like a week get out of here like i have no idea can't do anything for you right now that i had the same i had the same experience i had worked with a i did a like a movie in new york and there the guy that i had done the movie with was like right after the project was moving to la 
and mm-hmm. change numbers. I'm like, I'm going to be out there next year. And he's like, well, look me up. And, and then I got out here and he, he was working. He'd gotten really lucky and he's a good actor and he's still working all the time. I won't drop name drop, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't, we don't speak anymore. Uh, he's, he's too big for me now, but, um, uh-huh. but, uh, and rightfully so, but he, um, he had, was really nice and got me a meeting with his agents right out of the gate. I was here maybe like the first two months I was out here and I took the meeting and they were super, super nice. And, and I remember that meeting was one of those moments where you're, you realize you're not in Kansas anymore. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. you know, and the agent, I, I remember the agent being like, I don't want to hear about your craft. I don't want to hear about any of that crap, you know? Right. And at the time I was like, Oh my God, like I, the artist in me from New York with the, the actor artist was so so offended by that like how dare you you know and now uh you know it's been many years since i totally get what what he was saying it wasn't Mm -hmm. it wasn't in any way or shape or form to sort of like put down the craft of what we do it's just more expected that you just show up and it's already there you know yeah you you know like when you show up to set they don't want to they don't the director doesn't have time to talk about like your, you know, your methodology and how you got into this role. You're just expected to show up and do the job. And yeah, you know, yeah. Cause time is money, you know? And I didn't realize that at the time. And that was a real big learning curve. And it, when it really came was when I started getting into producing mm-hmm. uh, and, and being on the other side of the table and seeing actors through the, the gaze of, and the guise of production and just realizing how, what, who the good actors were and who the actors who showed up and who were super prepared, you know, and just made it a job and realized that, you know, they didn't show up like, okay, where's my trailer. They showed up like they're there to do a job just like everybody else on set that day, you know? And I was like, that's the actor that I want to be. I don't want to be the guy who's like, uh, I'll take a frappe uh, and, you know, and my poodle will be in my, my trailer. You know, I want to, I would never want to be that guy. You know, I want to be the guy. Like we're shooting a sketch today. We're just doing a sketch. Where's my trailer and where's craft service. And you're like crap what and i'm like yeah i'm gonna be on the phone with my agent excuse me uh get me <laughs> off this, you, know? And, you know and i've worked with actors like that yeah. at every level i've seen that and it's just really disgusting it really yeah. it's 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 so unattractive to see anybody like that especially having worked i mean i worked as a pa I've, I've worked in every facet of production um and when you know you're up at four in the morning to go you know hang those those little those little direction signs so people know where to go at four in the morning in the complete dark and cold mm-hmm. and then you know it's now like it's now 10 o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock in the morning and here comes the the talent showing up and they're like you know like super you've already worked five hours you right, know yeah, and then totally. you'll be working another five five hours after they leave after a 12-hour day you know mm-hmm. exhausted and broken and beaten and tired you know and it's like when you see an actor like like talking to the AD, like, Hey, you know, what time are we going to be rapping? I've got this, you know, and it's like, dude, come on, man. Like, yeah, you know, don't, especially not in front of all those people that are busting their ass out there that have been working, who are getting paid uh, the 10% of what you might be getting paid. Totally. Yeah. You know, it sort of, it put a lot of things into perspective and made me respect and also understand what everybody on set was doing. You know, so I know who that guy is and what that person's responsible for. And, and it just makes you an overall better, better uh, person. Yeah, with, you know, I agree. So, I think everybody should try to just 
produce some of their own stuff just to get that experience because you, yeah. you learn so much about what goes into actually creating something and like how much work it takes to to be on the other side of the camera yeah. um yeah it's wild i remember um, I, I produced a movie a few years back uh, my first actual feature i'm actually working with the same team and director on another feature right now and that's cool. what this, that's what i was talking with this um yeah and, uh he uh when we were working on that, I, um, I remember there was one day the DP needed a, uh, we were using a certain light an old school kind of light and they needed a bulb. I yeah. Was, I was working straight as a producer on this. I had a small role in the movie, but like I worked for like, you know, one afternoon Yeah. and, uh, and, and I remember it took me three days, full days of me doing work to track down it was i wasn't a bulb it was a fuse for a, for a light right and i went to every home depot in like a 20 mile radius oh, every God. sort of you know do it center uh, i called all these different places and i finally found a place out in like deep deep valley that was like fuses unlimited and like i walked yeah. in i got there at like six in the morning when they opened and you know the hour drive out to see them and i walked in and and they're like, what do you need? And I was like, I need an FJ7211. And he goes, he turns around and he opens up a thing and he pulls out like eight of them. He's like, how many do you need? And I was like, like tears streaming down my face. Like I finally <laughs> thought it was like the holy grail. Thank you so and much. I, you don't understand. And I'm driving back from, from this fuse place back down to location. And I'm like, this is why movies are so expensive. Mm -hmm. it, you know and because you know one guy took three days to find one fuse you know yeah. and and it's and you know and you don't realize that until you're actually the person who is producing whether it's a web series or a scene for your reel you realize how many moving parts there are and the bigger the production the more moving parts you know um yeah and so it's um it's, it was interesting and it, it definitely humbles you as an actor. It makes you a better actor because you just shut up and do your job. You know, and I don't mean to yeah. sound rude, but you know, don't be a pain in the ass. Be nice, especially if you're the actor on set. Yeah. Be better be nice. I've worked with some actors who were not nice and you're like, what are you so angry about? Like, right. you're the star of a TV you got booked. Show. You're on set. Yeah. You're working like, you know, you're not waiting tables, you know, right. you're not, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not having to hustle five jobs. You're doing what you want to be doing. You know? Right. So, Wait, so. In, in driving around like that, do you ever, are you ever surprised in LA when you find new valleys? Oh my God. <laughs> I remember land. the first time I was like, Sun Valley, there's a, there's a Sun Valley. And then they're like, <laughs> like there's further and further. Like what's that Valley? Oh yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. There are so many microclimates yeah, in yeah. like a 20 mile radius. I, I worked on a movie we were shooting in Malibu Canyon and you know we were shooting splits so we were shooting day and night and mm -hmm. by the end of the first week it was like a month and a half shoot and by the end of it everybody you'd like walk through like production parking and you would just see everybody's everybody's back seat was filled with all these different clothes and you're like what is going on and it was like winter jackets because you would start out at like six in the morning and it would be like 40 degrees and everybody would be bundled mm -hmm. up 
And then by like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, it'd be like 70, 80 degrees. And everybody be, everybody would go from like beanies and mittens to right, like right. trucker hats and shorts and t-shirts and tank tops. And then as we moved into the night, as the sun went down, the temperature would drop like 50 degrees and it'd be like in the high thirties. And everybody's like in, like, you look like you're going skiing. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I've so always had that joke where like, it's, uh, it's uh, our seasons are just nighttime and daytime. Like we have daily seasons. True more so than like monthly it's so true and it's weird because like it drops like it'll drop 40 50 degrees here and that's not a big deal you know right so always be prepared always have a jacket in your trunk and a blanket yeah LA dangerous it's dangerous dangerous guys um Um, let me ask is was it this movie that you with the fuse was this was this uh it's god was that yes yeah was it yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with 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 Tommy Chong, right? with Tommy Chong. He, how how yeah. how wild is it to work with the the Cheech and Chong, Tommy Chong, and Luke Perry, right? When uh, yeah, oh, God, was just so what a, all of them, yeah. everybody on that was. We had a great great That's cast. A great cast, Tommy, yeah. Tommy was. Tommy is even cooler than you think he is. He's yeah. just a stand up, super great. I've had some of the most interesting profound conversations between takes with Tommy just such a just a genuine awesome present human being um, when you're with him and and he really did a great job you know uh, in that movie he really brought an interesting take on who God is and what God could be you know Um, and Luke Perry was probably one of the most professional actors I've ever had the opportunity uh, and pleasure to work with he was a director. He was doing a lot of directing at the time. So when he mm-hmm. walked in, you know, uh, to, to shoot his stuff, you know, he knew what lens we were working on and knew exactly what he needed to do for that lens and was like, oh, what, what, what are we on? Oh, okay, that's the 50. Okay, great. And he knew exactly how to adjust to it. And, um, and just super oh. friendly, remembered everybody's name down to like the PAs and the craft services people. And, you know, was just, just a pleasure. You know, Rebecca Mader was a sweetheart and Boo Boo Stewart was a super sweet guy. Everybody was just so, they knew that this was, you know, we were first time filmmakers making a feature and we were sort of learning as we went. And we had, we had a really great team. We were really lucky to have um, a bunch of people that were, knew what we were getting ourselves into and open to the experience of making a movie. And we did it. And it was, it was a few years of, you know, trudging through the mud, but what a massive learning experience and and now we're back for this this new movie uh jerry jerry brunskill uh, the mm-hmm. director and writer and producer and uh he's you know multi-hyphenate on on its god is now back with a new movie called right now tentatively titled the naked umbrella and okay. i got a call from him in april <laughs> uh you know I, and since then i met jerry we shot a sizzle reel like over a decade ago for its god Oh, wow. uh, with Edmund Datto, who has a small part, a great actor, an Australian actor. Uh, and he was God in the sizzle reel and ends up coming in and playing um, one of the one of the Bible bashers in, in, in It's God, the feature, and he does a great yeah. job. One of the one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. And um, and so I've worked with Jerry in that particular team, Ryan Reese, who's a dear friend of mine, Susanna Hillard. Uh, I used to work with her at the Village Idiot, and that's how I met Ryan. And then, you know, I was doing Generation Awesome at that time. And she's like, you got to see his little online. We were doing web series before web series was a thing. Yeah, I remember the rainbow when it was black and white. Uh, You know, uh, back before you could actually make money. 
Uh, now, right. you know, we're a little ahead of the curve. I could have probably been living in a beautiful home right now if we were to have monetized on all the Generation Awesome. I stuff. know. Well, just to sidestep uh, on that real quick, but like, yeah, it's a Generation Awesome. I've checked out like you've got a, a web series that has 15 million views on it. The the Bartender Hates You, which yeah. uh, we could talk more about and stuff. But yeah, we'll talk. I, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but no, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm all about there's so I'm many. All... There's so many things I want to talk about with you, though, because you've got you've got so much going on and. And I guess not to get off track with with uh, it's God because I think it's it's important to note um, how important networking is and and what a good example of like just yeah. doing stuff and, and like not knowing where it's going all the time just doing a sizzle reel, you know, for somebody and working together on that turned in you know this guy's role from playing it's you know God to another role in a feature film and and you know having your parts in it and as well. Um, you know yeah, what I, mean, I think I think networking is so important and overlooked sometimes. I think it's the most important thing, actually. And I yeah. and I, I don't I don't mean it in sort of a manipulative sort of like I'm trying to get something out of it. No. What I, I really think is really important about networking, and I think this is my overall philosophy is when you say yes to something, my mom, when I was a little kid, you know, I signed up for soccer and I was like smaller than the ball at that I point. I played soccer. soccer. My mom was like, Look, you signed up for it, you know you got to see it through. And when you sign up for something, you said yes. So if you're not going to walk away from it, if you're going to show up and do something, you give it your all. And I think if you show up every day and you give it your all and you try your best, that's all you can do. You know, you give it your best. If you show up and you give it your best every day, there's, you know, that's going to get noticed by people. You're not yeah. phoning it in. You start phoning things in. You just need to question why you're doing that project. Are you doing it for the paycheck? Totally. Are you doing it? You know, don't do something for the paycheck. Do it because you really want to be part of that. Right. And it might just be the experience for me, like signing on to It's God. For me, it was like saving me from bartending. I had been a bartender for so many years and I was, you know, I was well past the point of diminishing returns with yeah. working in a restaurant. Right. And, you know, when they were like, hey, we want you to come on and be a producer on this. I was like, when do we start? You know, right. yes, yes, when, now? I've already cool. quit. I've already, yeah, I've I've already the text. You know, yeah, yeah, it was, and, you know, it was one of those things. And, and I, you know, there was a lot of work and there was a lot of long hours and you show up, you're the first person on set and the last person to leave and, you know, you leave it all out in the playing field. And, and when you have actors or anybody that comes onto your set that is really giving it your all, they, they might not say anything to you. They may not, they may not, you might not get, that might not get acknowledged the way you maybe you want it to be, mm -hmm. but people are taking note. They are okay. taking note. And you know, it's somewhere down along the line, you're going to get a phone call like I did back in April from Jerry, because I'd produced a bunch of, content with him whether it be for film and television or whatnot we've worked on so many different projects that we even have a shorthand he looks at me and i go i know exactly what you mean and he doesn't yeah. have to say it now and he called me in april and he's like so i'm writing my second movie and uh we've worked together and he we've he's directed me as an actor before mm -hmm. but he was like i i really respect you as an actor and you're always working with me as a producer and i really want to write you a role in this movie 
let's talk about what kind of role you want to play. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the dream phone call that every actor, like, you know, it, yeah. it's that phone call and basically accepting the Academy Award in the shower. Those two, right. those two scenarios are the two most played out shower scenarios for every actor, I think. So, so you're like, I want Batman. And you're like, and Wolverine with claws. Can we work in claws in some way? And he's like, you're like it's right, kind of like a rom-com. I don't know. Oh, all right. No. Um, all right. Maybe not claws, but can he have hair? Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we talked for like an hour and I, yeah. you know, I basically in the 20 years of being out here, I kind of know what I bring to the table as an actor. And, uh, yeah. um, and, and I, you know, I expressed kind of the role that I would love to play and that I also think would be really challenging to play, you know, not just something that I could phone in. And, uh, and he delivered, man, he wrote me, uh, I was just reading the script. He just sent me the newest version of the script because we're in pre-pro right now and uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're working with casting. And so I needed to go through and look at the, the, and I was reading my scenes again. And I'm like, man, you really knocked it out of the park, Jerry. Like, yeah, I couldn't have asked, prayed for a better, better character, you know? And yeah. um, it makes this living with this mustache worth it. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's super, super cool. That's um, really awesome. I mean, what a great position to be in too, to like have it written for you. And I mean, just to, for that to come around full circle, it's like, and, and the th again, going back to the, like the idea of networking unselfishly, it's like you, you never did all the other stuff for like with this in mind, you know, it's like, yeah, you're doing these things and this kind of stuff comes back around. Um, yeah. You know, like you go in, you say, Hey, look, man, like we're making a movie. This is a team effort. You want, you want to win. You want to win for the team. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you get a hit, you know, if you have to bunt or, you know, like a sacrifice fly brings in a run, like I'm happy to be there and do that, you know, and every mm -hmm. once in a while you, you get a chance to, you know, get up to bat with the bases loaded and, you know, you're down like, you know, th you know, three, <laughs> three points and like, all right, you know, and you maybe you get a home run, you know, and hopefully yeah. I'm, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but hopefully I get to knock it out of the park on this one. So, yeah, which is super cool. Um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, really, like it, honestly, like it's interesting going back to the networking thing. It's mm -hmm. it's really important, I think, and I, I I find myself not doing this, but I I really I think it's important to really take stock in what you have, where you are at, right here, right now, because in you know we live in a in a society where we're always kind of looking you know, looking at the brass ring mm -hmm. and not really taking stock in where we're at. You know, it's that climbing the mountain. And then every once in a while, you need to stop, take your hands off the side of the mountain, turn around and face the view and realize how far you've come thus far, because it's really easy to lose track and get bittered, uh, get bitter about, you know, things not being what you want. But when you sort of take a look at where you're at, you start to realize you're a lot further along than you thought. And to be able to appreciate where you're at right here and right now, because if you can't appreciate, if I can't appreciate where I'm at right now and all the great things that are happening and the great opportunities that are happening for me right now, here, right now, I'm never going to, I'm going to be holding a statuette thanking the Academy and it will, it, that won't be enough, you know, yeah. and not that, not that it's, you know, it's a statuette and yeah, every actor, you know, dreams of winning a statue, but at the end of the day, 
you're not going to appreciate it because it was all the work that got you to that place. And that little statuette, all that means is a sort of a pat on the back. Look how much climbing you've done so far. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that's something this year that has been, I've been able to really kind of take stock on that. And it's important because that doing that, just simply looking at what you have right here, right now is what the thing that brings in more of that into your life. Definitely. hundred percent. That was a super deep and moving thing you said. And <laughs> and I kept getting hung up on your your metaphors, which were great metaphors I'd never heard before. Oh, hey, good. But I was I was like you, you like talking about the brass ring and I was like, why is it brass? Why is why is the brass ring? Isn't that a that's a weird metal? And then you said to to take your hands off the mountain to turn around. I was like, well, now you're falling down a mountain. I don't. <laughs> a lot of climbing like, analogies in my life. I don't know. I don't even mountain climb. I love the analogies, but I was like, and I was like, man, I was like, stop focusing on the analogies, Ryan. This is a very moving moment. <laughs> That's what I do. I razzle dazzle with my analogies, and then I, you know, sort of in a bullyabazy way, I bring it back around. And so you're like, he made a, finally made a point after 15 minutes of metaphor. No, it was great. It was great. It was all, it was fantastic. It was just like every, every once in a while you hear something you're like, you're like, I've never heard that analogy or metaphor or whatever it is. And you're like, that's Sweet. good. I'm going to uh, write that one down. But no, it's, it's so true. Uh, you have to appreciate the moments. Uh, otherwise you're not going to appreciate the success. Like you have to appreciate the work that gets you to that point. And, and they always say it's about the journey and it, it's always hard to accept or understand, but it, it is. And it's like, it's all about everything you're doing up to this, to that, whatever you're reaching for all the other stuff along the way is the fun stuff that, that actually makes you who you are and makes that thing worth it when you actually uh, get there. And that might not even be the same thing you, when you get to it, it might not even be what you, we're looking for in the first place, but it might be what makes you happy and makes and is right for you. That's the most important thing. And that's one of the things I, over the 20 years and even more so than that, but in the last 20 years of being out here, I've had that like grandma call you up and be like, so your nephew or so-and-so's nephew is coming out to LA. They want to be an actor. Uh -huh. And I said, maybe you, they could talk to you and pick your brain. And, you know, and I've had a lot of those sit downs with coffee. And one of the first things I ask is like, and I know this is sort of cliche, but it's like, is there anything else that you can do that fulfills you, that makes you happy? Mm -hmm. Because if there is, go and do that. Because this is a thankless, this is a rough road. And it's, you know, and, and with this particularly, I think, you know, there's that analogy with, if you want to be authentic and if you want to be doing original work, you know, if there's that, like, you know, there's that whole stoic philosophy that I, I'm a big fan of. And that, you know, Marcus Aurelius talked about the, you know, the obstacle is the way. And there's a great book by mm -hmm. Roland Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. And he talks about Marcus Aurelius's meditations. And, you know, basically this, uh, to summarize it, you know, he says, if you're given three paths into the woods, one is a very well-lit wide, very, you know, easy, comfortable looking path. Then there's the path that's sort of, you can tell there's a path there and it sort of goes off into the woods and then veers off into the darkness. So you're not sure, but you can tell that's been a path that's trodden. And then there's a, doesn't look like a path, but there's sort of like two trees where you can imagine, I think I could fit through those trees. That's, that's where you need to go into the woods. Mm -hmm. You go into the woods where 
no one's gone into the woods before. And that's where you're going to find your true genius. You know, because I honestly, you know, I'm a, I'm a fine artist as well as an actor. And I, mm-hmm. I, I like to dabble and stick my toes into a lot of different different areas of art. Uh, I find that they really kind of sort of feed each other in, a, in an interesting way, at least for me. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think finding, especially because I'm a painter and an artist. Um, Fantastic painter and artist. Thank also. you. Thank you, buddy. Uh, and that. everybody should check out your work. Uh, oh, yeah. Check out my check out my art page. I've, I've got a new art, art by Burt Rotundo. Yeah. Art by underscore Burt Rotundo. It's um, fantastic. Thanks, buddy. Uh, thanks. Yeah, um, it really is. It's sort of what's interesting about that. What I find is having multiple arts uh, focuses in art really sort of in teach teach you about your other art in a sort of oblique personal sort of kind of very you know uh zen sort of way Mm -hmm. and one of the things that art has really kind of taught me is you know like i'll I'll go to draw something like say i'll i take something for reference and i want to draw it i want to draw this mountain range Mm-hmm. That has been the topic of the day. So yeah. I want to draw this mountain range and I go in saying, I want it to look exactly like that. It's got to look exactly like that, realistic. And I'm my aim is for ultimate realism, right? And it ends mm-hmm. up always coming out sort of kind of realistic and you buy it, but it's sort of, it's got this, it's got, it, it doesn't look exactly like the photo. Yeah. And for the longest time, that used to piss me off. I'd be like, God, damn it. I, why can't I get it to look like that? Mm-hmm. And eventually once I started to kind of, get comfortable with me and my art and what I do, I sort of realized, well, that's your style. That's your genius. You know, you can't help but be you, you know, Uh, and that, that infuses into acting, you know, you try to, you know, everybody wants to be Brando and and James Dean or Pacino and De Niro. They go off and try to do that. You know, they go and they try to take that path that's well-paved. Yeah. And some of them do, and some of them go and they take that well-paved past and you know path, and they they make a name for themselves. Uh, and then there are other people who you know are inspired by those visionaries and those people that go off and pave a trail. And in doing so, and sort of following in their example, they veer off the path on that well-lit path, and they find those two trees. Mm-hmm. And they say, "I'm going to go off into the woods here, and I'm going to find my own thing because that's where I'm being pulled." Um, yeah. And the art definitely does that. You realize you, you, I think being an artist really, I got into being actor and actor because I wanted to get away from being me. Cause mm-hmm. you know, growing up as a kid, you know, I'd see all these cool people on screen. I'm like, I want to be that guy. Right. I want to be that cool guy. I want to be Superman. I want to be Batman, you know? And then what happens is you go off on this path is sort of that hero's journey. Like Joseph Campbell talks about where you leave your, you get the call to adventure and you go off to, to be, you go off to be what you think you want to be. And in, in what happens is it brings you full circle back to who you really are. And the, the, the treasure that you bring back really is you being comfortable in your own skin and you being, being able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm enough. And I am this, this whole package is perfect. And, you know, and it's in, in this town, in this industry where you're, we're trying to fit, into certain archetypes and sort of molds, it can be very daunting and difficult. But, you know, I think eventually that it, it comes full circle and leads you back to, you know, this is your authentic self and this is who you really are. And that is the thing that you need to share with the world. The thing that you're hiding. I had a, I worked with a branding guy by the name of um, 
um, a Tom Burke, who yeah. is a dear friend and a mentor now. And one of the things that he said that Andy Warhol told him, mm-hmm. was, hey, Tom, you know, that thing that you don't want anybody to know about you, that thing that you're hiding, the thing that the thing that you're most insecure about letting other people know about. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that people want to see. Hmm. You know, yeah. it's not about being cool. It's not about being that cool guy. It's about being vulnerable and allowing your vulnerability to come through. That's what pulls us into the screen. That's what makes people stars. That's what makes great work. You know, um, yeah. and that really, I've seen a lot of young actors who, you know, because they saw all those great actors being those cool guys. You know, Brando, Brando was so vulnerable, you know, and yeah. James Dean, massively vulnerable, Pacino, mm-hmm. De Niro, all those great, all the great method actors that really sort of set the bar really, really high, Meryl Streep, all of them. It's all about their vulnerability. It's not about being cool. Right. It's, yeah. you know, and like you, you can tell when an actor is trying to be cool and when an actor is really just doing them. Yeah, coming from a real vulnerable place. That's so much more interesting to watch than somebody trying to be cool. Yeah. And we've we've been talking about this a lot lately because it's it's interesting because it I feel like it is something you chase a lot of times when you get stuck. Sometimes you look to something that's working for somebody else and you're like, oh, if I just do that thing, it it'll work for me. And it doesn't. And we've been talking a lot about how sometimes it's, it's the hardest thing to get over trying to put something else on and just be yourself. But once you do it and figure out how to just be you, how much easier it becomes to, to think, I don't have to try to be that person. If I just do it the way I talk or whatever, you know, I do it the way I do it. You're not, it, it takes a little bit off of trying to figure it out. You're like, and just, but being able to trust yourself, that's be yourself thing. is tough. You, you know, that, and look, man, it, that comes with anything. It comes with experience. You know, you don't like when you were talking about earlier when you first got to town and, you, you know, you had that meeting and you wanted to go right for the top. The, you know, I'll, I'll tell you an example where art to art really kind of lapped over for me. I started studying martial arts like 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you start out, I had that white belt mentality like, yeah, I can't wait to get my black belt. You know, right, I want right, to be right. those guys, you know, and. And then, you know, you think it's super cool. I'm looking at these black belts and how great they move and how badass they are. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I'm a yellow belt now and I'm, you know, super cool. And then you start to, you start to work with some of those black belts, you know, and you realize they're toying with you, you know, mm-hmm. you're giving them everything you got. And they're block, 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 you know, and you're like, I'm giving them everything I know. And all of a sudden they, they give you a little tap to let you know that they're there and they're literally giving you a 1% shot and it rings your bell. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have that moment. You're like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not flexible enough. My, my muscle memory isn't there. All of these things. And I remember when that lightning bolt hit me, I learned this valuable lessons about having patience and un- trusting the process and trusting that as long as you keep your eye on the prize and you're moving in that direction, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not, you're going to get, you're going to get knocked off your, your course. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been knocked off the course, you know, and it, what's interesting is every time I was knocked off the course, how the universe or whatever I believe in, whatever you believe in sort yeah. of kind of led me back gently back onto the course. Yeah. Um, but the patience and understanding that it takes time, 
And in doing those, you just got to trust the process. And it's okay to look at your heroes and look at them because you emulate, you know, it's that fake it till you make it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, emulate the people, those things, because what you're going to do is by doing what they're doing, you're going to learn your own ways about going about it. And then you'll, you'll start to create next thing, you know, you'll be the guy having coffee with the guy or girl who just moved to LA seeking your advice. And you're like, I don't know why I'm having coffee with these people. I'm nowhere. And then they start talking to you about like all the things that you've done. And you're, you're like, Oh my gosh, wait a minute. I have done a lot of stuff. You know, I do know. Like you start spouting wisdom. You're like, where did that come from? And it comes from just showing up and doing it every day. Yeah. So it's, but it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting adventure. It's an interesting journey as an artist, and I and it's it doesn't happen overnight. And that's why I say when I sit down with for coffee with those people, you know, is, is there anything else that that really you know that really ignites your bliss? Because if you're if you're doing this for somebody else, you know, if you're doing this because you know it's an unlived dream of a parent or. Or, and I, I've struggled with that. You know, I told you the story about my dad and my grandfather yeah. were an actor and I've definitely had to sit down and go, okay, is this what you really want? Because it's mm-hmm. frustrating. It's hard. You know, there are times of great disappointment and rejection. And is this something that you really, really want to do? Because it's, it's, you really want to climb that mountain or do you want to climb a different mountain? You know, right, and yeah. make sure that that's the mountain you want to be climbing because it is a rough mountain. Um, I mean, that's what really brings you bliss. Then, then yes, you're in the right place and you have go and do it, you know, but if you, if being a veterinarian is really what you want to be doing, but you're living someone else's dream, then you're not living your life. And you're at the end, you're going to be disappointed after spending 20 years following someone else's bliss and realizing I've wasted 20 years of my life trying to make someone else's dream come true and not my own. Totally. Well this is not the interview you expected. You were expecting. I love it, man. This is this is everything. <laughs> this is this is all of it, man. This is great. Um, Welcome to Deep Thoughts with Bert Rotundo. What's that? Welcome to Deep Thoughts. Deep with Thoughts Bert with Bert Rotundo. I love it, man. This is great. Um, I was like, I have like a million things I want to talk about, but I also don't want to keep you forever. So I'm no, going to try no, to I'm try to. Cool, man. I'm, I'm clear my schedule for you, buddy. Yeah, you man. Know, you tell I mean, me when you want to end this. You're like, cool, hey, man. Look. Uh, yeah, I mean, usually we go an hour, but I'd love to go more with you because uh, I sure, think there's, I, I, there's a, some stuff I definitely want to touch on. Um, so, somebody, a few different projects of yours. Um, let's see. Well, first off, we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, well, I know you. So you're working on Twelve Hours, and then you're working on uh, another thing here recently. Even just in like within the last week or so, right? You've been working on a few projects over. Um, yeah. The pandemic. Um, uh, during the pandemic, um, I, you know, and part of I, I'm part of it is luck, and and really being lucky. And I have been massively lucky. I think when preparedness and luck are in unison, good things happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to thank my muses and my guardian angels and my 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 spirit guardians and my whole pantheon of people in the other on the other side who are really yeah. kind of guiding me. Uh, and I really. I've been super fortunate. Um, I had a lot of people this year and the last couple of years reach out saying, Hey, I want to work with you. And Hey, you know, I wrote this part for you. And, you know, and I always, I'm always so blessed because whenever somebody says that, you know, I'm always like, Oh, okay. I'm interested to see how you, you you see me. And um, I've been really fortunate that everything that they've written for me 
has really jumped off the page. Uh, I shot, I've shot, um, right before pandemic, I shot a thing called Duke and Damn It. Yeah, uh, that's the other one I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Uh, so we shot that literally, I remember driving out to Temecula and with one of the other actors, a buddy of mine, Tyler, to go and shoot this thing. And as we were driving out on the radio, it was all about the pandemic happening. It was like literally like two weeks before everything shut down. Oh, wow. And right before that, I had shot uh, uh, 12 hours. And um, and one of the reasons why I actually kept this was mm-hmm. because there was one thing that we had shot. We had shot a bunch of stuff and they were like, hey, we have we have one more thing that we need to shoot once we you know we didn't know who knew how long this was going to last two and weeks, so I was like, well, two weeks. yeah two weeks we'll be back you know and so i was right. like i'll keep it just in case yeah and um so and then during the pandemic uh, a good buddy of mine rob tepper uh really i think you know rob uh yeah. you yeah. actually know yeah. rob um great writer actor producer content maker you know uh one of one of the hardest working men in in, in this town um got this idea to write this thing about you know um the um, public health department during a pandemic. And, and so we, the theater that we take class in, uh, wasn't being used. So him and another guy, uh, Paul Youngblood, one of the other guys in the, in the actors in it, they basically turned the theater into this, making it look like an office. They turned the whole, Mm. the whole theater set into a set. And so we shot in there, everybody was wearing masks the whole time. It was, took place during the pandemic. It was sort of the office meets parks and rec during the pandemic. And it was a lot of fun. And we shot an episode of that. Um, And so there was that. And then uh, been shooting stuff out in the desert for the Naked Umbrella. We were doing some test shoots. We were just out there last week out at the Salt Sea shooting. Uh, So there's been a lot of, um, a lot of work, you know, small, crew everybody gets tested and everybody you right, know, quarantines right. and doing it you know doing it right and safe but it is possible you know maybe some of the bigger sets the bigger productions maybe not so much because you need more people but for what we were doing it was really really possible um yeah. and really fun it was fun to work in this this time you know be around yeah, people. I, cool. I mean like I'm always impressed because you're just you're, you're always working you're always working on something whether it's your own projects or projects that you've created opportunities for yourself and, and you know come back around for you uh it's been super cool to watch was that is that theater that you mentioned uh, did it ha- did it close down uh well yeah uh that? we lost the uh we lost the space uh and we didn't lose the space yeah i know it was it was really rough that was sad to see was- stuff like that during this time it was, you know, and it was, uh, I had I, Rob and Polly and I, my uh, James, Achille, uh, myself, guys from class, there was like four or five of us that went in there. And, and I, I was, I've been taking class and working in that space. I'd done, God, four or five plays on that stage, you know, big, like sort of big moments in your artistic career like where you cross a threshold where you're like mm-hmm. i can do this you know i was naked on that stage in front of an audience and, and that's <laughs> interesting threshold to cross and yeah and uh and and so to see that space kind of go away was really really hard and really sad it was definitely a um a, a loss of the pandemic it just wasn't worth it for sal romeo who is my good dear friend and acting teacher and mentor and directed mm-hmm. me in a bunch of stuff and um the, uh, one of the guys who really one of those people that 
will be thanked in every, any award or any, any time that I have to thank, you know, somebody for an award for my acting, Sal Romeo will get massive credit for it because he really took everything I learned at AMDA and all the stuff that I had been putting in my tool chest over the years and sort of been like, I don't know how this thing works, but we'll figure it out. He was like, oh, that's a wrench. This is that, this is how you use this. And really everything kind of coalesced when I started studying with him. Yeah. And so over the course of over a decade in that space, it all kind of took place in that place. So it was near and dear to my heart. And so it wasn't worth it to for poor Sal to keep paying rent on it. So he let it go. And, you know, that we're, we're still doing classes. He's doing classes, you know, via Zoom and uh, which is interesting and a, a different learning curve and a yeah. different way of sort of working as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll find another space and uh, when yeah. things come back and but uh, it was sad. I definitely went the the night before I left to go away for the holiday. I took one last walk in there and by myself and brought a couple mm-hmm. of beers and walked the boards and did a bunch of monologues and, and then thanked the space. That space had really seen me through not just some artistic plateaus and, and some learning, but also some really big life events that really kind of, you know, big benchmark chapter marks in my life that 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 place had really sort of held space for me and I really kind of felt like this I needed to pay respect you know uh, to that there was a we had really coated the walls with a lot of emotion and 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 experience so it's sad but you know what man if this pandemic hasn't taught us anything it's that nothing is permanent everything is an impermanence and to be able to sort of dance in this ever-changing thing called life um, and not to hold on to anything so dearly, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I went off on a tangent there. No, but. that was great, man. It was, it was, you know, it's, it's tough times and it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, you could tell how much that place means to you and stuff. It's, it's sad to see that stuff go, you know, come and yeah. go during this and fall victim to the pandemic. But uh, you know, it, it is, it, it, you know, it's, it's a measure of life and life goes on and you'll find, you know, there's new spaces and new opportunities and, and luckily there's zoom to keep going with the, uh, you know, training and, and all that. So taking um, stuff in what I have, you know, and I have a lot, so yeah, you know, space is a space. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that, that's it. It's, it, you know, the space it's, it's filled with memories, but yeah, you know, you'll, there's, there's others, you'll find a new space. It's time, you know, new, new chat. I'm excited for the new, you know, yeah. the things that are yeah. new, the new surprises, you know, uh, the life is always interesting. And I, I kind of, I'm a kind of a go with the flow kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, I find when you stop fighting the flow is when you stop suffering. And when you really start to, you start to dance with who brought you, which mm-hmm. is a Sal Romeo quote, you really, that's when the magic really starts to happen in, in life and in the work. Um, and so being able to go, okay, it is what it is. It's sad, yeah. but okay, what's next? I'm excited because yeah. it's going to be great. You know, it's always going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great up until the moment that you take your last breath. And yep. that's, that's, that's the adventure called life. So yeah. What a great attitude, man. It's a great attitude. I like that. Thanks. Man. Thanks. Um, Cool. I want to touch on one last thing and I'll probably, I'll, I'll let you get going out of here, but I know I saw you were working on a, a new, a new podcast. Is that correct? A new podcast. For, for the afterlife adventures. Is that a thing? Oh, wow. 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 That's no, that's, um, it's, oh, wow. Or is that's that an old thing. 
That's an old thing. That's uh, an old thing. That's a Why really is, old thing. How old is that? Oh God, that's a couple of years ago. Um, we um, that's it's another not, Rob Pepper. Uh, um, it sounds like uh, such a. It, it sounds like the direction everything is going moving forward right now with podcasting and that's why i brought it up because i thought it was such a it's it's a for people who i mean so it's a it's a radio show essentially right, right? old-time radio show where it's more story-based and things like that but i think that's coming up a lot right now and i have other friends who are starting to to move towards that because you can you know you can only hear, hear so many crime stories um though fascinating well, they're uh, fascinating they're fascinating and it's interesting because that one serial had come out that yeah. that was like the big podcast that was really you know breaking the bank it's a great really, yeah great podcast right right and, and rob rob had written this this prod we had sort of come up with this concept and rob went off and wrote this thing called originally it was called it could be worse mm. and it was about these two guys who die yeah and uh, go to a purgatorial nine to five in order to kind of ascend to the next level and then they work for this um they work in, uh, I forget what it's called. It's been a few years, but basically they, they usher people, people who pass away, newly deceased people. They're there when you wake up in, in the spirit form. And they said, you know, they make sure that you walk into the light, yeah. you know? And, and so these guys are there and, and the, the, the pilot opens up with them. It's their last day. They're, you know, my character, Albert's really, really excited about, um, you know, going to see his wife who he died with her 10 years ago and now it's time. And then they sort of kind of like budget cuts and we gotta, you know, we gotta keep you on the job for a little while longer. And it's them mm -hmm. and the shenanigans that happens, but it's really interesting. It's sort of this very like Beetlejuice sort of Tim Burton-y kind of world um, and uh, fun characters and really interesting scenarios. And Rob had written it as a pilot and at the time, you're trying to find funding for something, even doing it on the cheap, the world, the world building of this of this story was so was so rich that the budget that we could come up with to try to make it look good mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't really going to cut the mustard. And so with Serial uh, and all, the, you know, these podcasts becoming popular, he's like, what if we turned it into a radio show, yeah. you know, and then we could create all this in, you know, the theater of the mind. And, um, and so uh, we got Ryan Reese, who I, I worked on. It's God with one of my producing partners on It's God. Oh, cool. Who's a brilliant post-production sound designer uh, and, a, and a director and, and an amazing, amazing uh, artist in his own right. Uh, he did the sound and created this beautiful, like, like you, you feel like you're there, you know, you close your eyes. And we just had so much fun. Rob wrote this brilliant script and we had a lot of really talented actors, all friends come out to voice these characters. And I'd say it was, it's sad because had we done it now, it may have maybe had more legs. Um, but it, that was really the first time that voiceover was one of those things that I was like, I really, this is fun. Yeah. You know, cause this isn't, this stops becoming a, a major factor in casting, you know, yes, there, yeah. my, my castability, the, the blanket grows, you know, I, I have a wider net that I can cast as a performer. Yeah. Um, just, Hey, the bald dude, you know, with a mustache, right. Right. The Balbo yeah. mustache. Um, the Balbo. Yeah. The Balbo. Um, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's such a nice, it's, it's nice to not have to worry about physicality so much and, and just be able to like play in that world of the character and stuff. That was a, that. That's a big lesson, I think, as an actor that I had to learn uh, was that because I came from the theater world where the castability is a lot, a lot more forgiving. Mm -hmm. 
building yeah. television uh, and branding specifically, that that is something that really does. That's a real thing, you know. Yeah. And if you're an actor who thinks that branding is is hogwash, yeah. then you don't have enough dirt on you in the industry. You're not in the industry long enough to realize that it does. You have to know what your castability is. You have to know what this, what this is, and what you are, what you bring to the table. You know, you are a cog in a bigger machine, and mm -hmm. what is the cog that you bring? You start figuring that out, and you dial that in. You get all your materials dialed into what your branding and your marketability is. You will see an overnight change, and it happened for me when I started to really take that serious mm. and stop being like, "Well, I can do everything." You know, it's like, right. "Yeah, you could." But will you get cast as yeah. that guy or, the, you know, whatever that character is? Not totally. Sure. How, so. how tight, because this has been a, an a ongoing conversation recently as we've tried to like look towards branding and stuff. How tight do you, do you bring your brand? Do, do you, or your niche of sorts? Luckily, do you, do you narrow it down to like, I play these three characters, do you, or like, ten, you know, five, 10 characters? Like how, what do you, what do you look at when you do your branding like that? How much time we got? <laughs> um, All right, we're gonna start a new pocket. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, sure. Part two. I mean, it um, is like it's an. I mean, it's an ongoing conversation. I think people revisit it constantly and stuff. Sure. Um, I think it's important. I and I also think there are. I I, I learned this kind of coming through it, you know, and it's, again learning it through experience. I went off and worked with a guy by the name of John Dapolito out mm -hmm. of New York, who does what he what's called niche work. Yeah. And, uh, and I did that before I even got into branding. I was really fascinated by the work that he did. And I met him through some other people I had worked with, uh, Robert and Michelle Colt that do, um, the, the, um, acting, well, it was acting success now. Now it's called inside game, mm -hmm. uh, really interesting work, um, about getting out of your own way. And through them, I met John in one of their workshops and I was fascinated by the work. And then a few years later, he was in LA. I did his workshop and then you do one-on-one -on -one where it's like a five hour session and you oh, wow. sit down and, and you really figure out what your niche is. Mm. Sort of this golden thread that you, once you realize it, you'll see it and you'll see it in, you'll see it in, um, in like people like Matt Damon, for instance, Matt Damon's uh, niche is the golden boy or the one. Uh, yeah, and yeah, every yeah. one of his roles has this golden thread through it that might may, maybe not be obvious, but, you know, it's it's sort of in there. You know, uh, John also did Philip Seymour Hoffman and Philip Seymour Hoffman's niche was uh, sexual perversity and addiction. Every one of his roles, there's an element, even if it's underlying, even if it's a personal choice. And, and so I worked with John and I got my niche and, and it was, I found it was sort of harder to pitch the niche when in meetings with casting or agents, they kind of like sort of went over their head a little bit, sure. you know, and then I, and through exploring more, I kind of hit a brick wall and realized I needed to be better about finding what my brand was. And so what I kind of came to realize is niche and branding are sort of the yin and yang. And if you look at a yin and yang, you know, yeah. yang, or and I forget which is which, but like, I think it's the yang or the yang is the internal energy. It's this darker energy. And then the ying is the light energy. And that really works well for branding and niche. So yeah, you're, you know, the, the niche is sort of that internal thing that you know for you um, that you can sort of try to find your niche within 
the the golden thread within the role so that you're bringing your authentic niche to it but mm-hmm. then the branding is sort of this external energy of how you're sort of outside perceived you sure. know like yeah. cops you know um right. you know so for me for instance my my niche is blind ruthless ambition hmm. you know and so um so that Okay, I'll, I'll pitch you on that. So that would be like, think of, um, and I haven't pitched my niche in a while, so these these references are a little bit old, but um, is sort of um, uh, Agent Smith in The Matrix. Yeah. There's a guy who's myopic about what he wants and will, is willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. Right. And then on the adverse, I did Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, the play. Uh, I did it at the theater and that's very much within my niche. Here's a guy who sees this woman who he knows is perfect for him and they're perfect for each other. And he's going to take, he's not going to take no for an answer. He's completely myopic, not going to take no. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is the internal thread for me. So when I look at a role like the officer uh, deputy curtain, Mm-hmm. in this movie uh the naked umbrella that i'm doing it's perfect it's right in my niche right here's right. a guy who's myopic knows what he needs and wants right now on the other side my brand is very different so like with my niche you would be like wow he's gonna play a lot of villains that's you know somebody who is not worried about law and getting what he wants you know he's not gonna maybe play the hero he may play an anti-hero but then yeah. on the opposite my brand is sort of the affable likable dad blue collar guy mm-hmm. you know uh working class every man right yeah you know, um soccer dad you know the guy tough loving dad or cop who's going to do the right thing but also give you a scoop of tough love mm-hmm. you know um and i and i play that a lot you know and so it's what's interesting and what's really cool for me is that when i play villains i'm likable yeah. So I bring my brand, my likability, that affable, affable quality to these these guys. So you can't help but like, oh God, this guy's so bad, but I I kind of like him. And those are the right. most fun villains. You those know? are the most fun villains. I love so, I love those kind of villains. We always uh coming from the comedy background, I was like, I always love a good funny villain. I've always Adam, been like obsessed with Adam Scott's uh career. Is that right? Not Adam. Am I thinking the right one? Shoot uh he, um i'm drawing a blank on all of his work um but he was in sherlock as the villain and then oh, uh yeah. andrew scott andrew, andrew scott yes oh, yeah. so I, I was like adam scott's not right that's a different that's an actual comedian. he's fantastic but yeah uh, andrew scott he's fantastic and he plays like such good villains where he's like funny and i was like and then is- when you see him not play a villain you're just like the whole time you're like when is when is when is it going to be the reveal that he's the bad guy and then when he's not the bad guy you're like Oh, he's just a, he's just a regular guy. I don't trust him, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mom with Christopher Walken still to this day. She's like, I don't trust him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mom, he's a nice guy. He's Christopher Walken. You right. know, mom, come on. Mom, come on. That's my, mom, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. But that's, but yeah. I think that's a, 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 yeah, that's a great way to kind of describe niche and brand and how they, the, I love the yin and yang comparison. Um it's an industry, you know, it's, you got to remember there's the art side of it and what we do to keep ourselves fresh and really exploring the work. But then there's the complete industry side, you know, you got to bring this particular, this thing, this art, this, this genius, if you will, to market. And you have to be able to, you know, like we all know that this is an iPhone, you know, and we know it's an iPhone because they branded the hell out of it. 
right. and they marketed it, you know, and I know the difference between Apple and say a Google phone because of the branding. And you have to be, you have to be able to dial in your branding as an actor. And I know there's going to be a lot of actors that are going to roll their eyes. And I did for the longest time, I rolled my eyes until I got tired of waiting tables and really wanted to start working as an artist and as an actor, you gotta, you know, you gotta understand the industry that you're coming to, you know, totally. you can't, you can't sell them on art. You have to sell them on the brand. You have to tell them what it's about. You know, know your elevator pitch, know what you do, know how you, how you're perceived in this industry. And that's not to say that you can't do a shit ton more things totally. on yeah. stage, you know, but get your foot in the door. Is this one thing get typecast is that one thing and do it better than anybody else. So that all of a sudden now you're at a place where you're able to make this the six figures and they're like, you know, it'd be really interesting. Let's let's bring that affable dad, soccer dad, you know, lovable blue collar guy. Let's make him the supervillain now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now you've broken you've broken the, the stereotype, and now you're you're out there in the in the world, you know. And that's you gotta you have to sort of narrow your laser beam your focus if you want to get in, and get recognized in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So. I like it. Yeah, I could I could talk industry talk for another four hours. Um, oh, you and bore the hell out of everybody. Um, right, right. Um, maybe maybe I'll we'll tell you what. We'll... I I know we've we've again we could go on a whole of like billion you know like for days for this. Um, so I'm I'm not gonna keep you on this. We'll do a clubhouse. We'll do a clubhouse on this. We'll do a clubhouse. <laughs> or you know what? Maybe maybe I'll come back after we're after I'm done shooting Naked Umbrella. We're yeah. supposed to sometime in the next month or two. Maybe we'll come back afterwards and we can talk That'd about that great. whole yeah well i mean of course we'd love to have it back on and 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 yeah totally just break down other stuff i mean there's always so much to talk about um always so much well, cool man oh i appreciate you coming on I've, I've it's always i've always enjoyed watching your stuff watching how much you work and, and the the uh effort you put in it, it's it's amazing uh nice. your art's fantastic and uh you know, again, just for anybody, for everybody listening, I mean, definitely check out his past work. You could see him on uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, the newest one. Uh, oh, shoot. I, I blanked on uh, the famous in love. That was a, one of the newer ones. And then Agent uh, Carter as well. Just to name a few. Uh, there's tons of stuff, you know, out there. Check out his IMDb, his Instagrams. Uh, be rotundo which also looks like bro tundo rotundo uh, yeah bro tundo uh instagram and then the art page if you're interested in checking out the art is uh art by underscore bert rotundo yeah uh, bert with an e not a u that's my goal in life my only goal is to get famous enough so people will start spelling it with an e yes remember she spells it with a u and i'm like it, my name is right there it's right there you can see it on zoom it's spelled with an e and you just right right URT. i'm like <laughs> Oh my gosh. But thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, I love, I love what you're doing. I love what you and Ashley are doing. Uh, Appreciate you it. Know, your shorts are definitely got me through this pandemic. There were so many great oh. like laugh out loud moments and, and you guys keep it up, man. Like, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. It's just, just keep doing it and, you know, yeah. don't take no for an answer. And if no one's, you know, it, it would Milton Burrow say if, if uh, there's um, if there's no, door then build a window or, or i'm totally misquoting it but you know if opportunity yeah. doesn't knock build a door i think is what it is like so that. you know what i mean um, yeah absolutely true. especially today's day and age so yeah thanks again brother hey thank you i appreciate you coming on and we will uh, talk to you again soon i hope so brother be good 
Thanks for tuning in to A Bit Unraveled. I'm Ryan Hansinger. We'll see you next week. <laughs>